this is for the stroke algorithm. Now, if you are very familiar with stroke, just skip the first 20 minutes because the first 20 minutes we're going to go over pre-hospital, um, the Cincinnati pre-hospital stroke scale. That's just to familiarize with people who are not um, hospital personnel. Let's say you've got a family member that calls and says, hey, I think I have a stroke. Um, and obviously, you know, you know what to ask, but there's the uh, Cincinnati pre-hospital stroke scale that you can quickly go over, um, check the smile, check for hand, droop, hand drift, and check for any slurred speech. Those three things is something to know right off the bat. So if you want to skip the first 20 minutes, because the first bit is talking about that, then the next 10 minutes or so is going over the hints exam, which is very helpful also to know if someone has um, continual vertigo. The hints exam is very, very helpful and essential to know. Um, but if you want to skip both of those, just skip ahead to about the 22 or 23 minute mark and jump right into the stroke protocol. This is the stroke algorithm. If you notice a deficit, if there's a deficit, a neurofocal deficit of any kind, the first thing you want to know is when the last known normal was. Always ask that question first. When is your last known normal? And if the family member doesn't know, um, or if the patient doesn't know, maybe the family member knows, um, when did you see them last? Last known normal. If they went to sleep and they woke up that way, the last known normal was when it was the time that they went to sleep. This is very essential because the time from the last known normal will dictate the various routes in which you're going to work up this patient. So regarding stroke, every hospital has its own protocols. Um, you wanna follow that specific hospital's protocols this is just for educational purposes only. We're gonna talk about stroke and just the general algorithm of generally how to manage a stroke patient. So this is important because stroke is the leading cause of adult disability in the United States. And it's the second leading cause of death in the whole world. So it's, it's one of those things that as an emergency medicine provider, you need to have stroke down like the back of your hand. And this algorithm is meant to be something that you memorize, something you practice. You can listen to this over and over again until you feel very confident that you can recall very easily. So you wanna ask, is there a deficit? If you recognize a deficit, you jump right into, um, you, you want to jump right into what's called the Cincinnati, um, it's called the Cincinnati Pre-Hospital Stroke Scale. So it's CPSS, Cincinnati Pre-Hospital Stroke Scale. Just jump right in and check for three things, facial droop, arm drift, or any slurred or abnormal speech. What are the three things for the Cincinnati Pre-Hospital Stroke Scale? Facial droop, arm drift, slurred or abnormal speech. So those are the three things that you want to you want to assess first. And the reason that's uh, important is because the interpretation of that, if any one of those three signs is abnormal, the probability of stroke is 72%. The presence of all three findings means the probability of stroke is greater than 85%. And so any one of these three signs, the probability of stroke is what? 72%, okay. And what are the three things that you're measuring right off the bat? Facial droop. So you have the patient show teeth or smile. Arm drift. So the patient closes their eyes and extend both arms straight out with the palms up. Hold it there for 10 seconds. Abnormal speech. 
have the patient repeat a sentence. So you can't teach a dog new trick. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. So you get the patient to say a familiar phrase. So, okay, go ahead and repeat after me. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. If the person can utter all the words without slurring, you can feel relieved knowing they're fine, uh, at least in regards to that, um, that measurement. Um, but it's um, a cause of concern if the person uses the wrong words or slurs or doesn't speak, obviously. So the facial droop, you want to ask the person to smile or show their teeth. If both sides of their face are moving in symmetry, they're, fi they're fine with that score. But if one side of the face droops, does not move as well as the other, uh, they may be, I mean, that's, you know, 72% if just one is off. And then you, so you want, sometimes you look for that nas nasolabial fold right there. Um, it might be a little uneven, asymmetric. And then arm drift, you want to ask them, close your eyes, hold your arms straight before in front of you. Keep your palms up for 10 seconds. One, two, three, four, five, you know, you count it out. If both arms are um, moving in the same manner, they don't move at all, that's a normal, um, no arm drift. But if you notice one of the arms is not moving or drifting down compared to the other, that's a, a sign of a stroke, 72%. So that's the CPSS. It's the Cincinnati Pre-Hospital Stroke Scale. What's it called? CPSS. Very quick, very easy to ascertain. If any one of those is positive, immediately you want to call a code stroke. Or if there's any actual deficit, neurofocal deficit, let's say um, maybe vision is lost or there's, there's some deficit of some kind, you wanna call it code stroke. Initiate that as soon as possible. And remember, the doctor or provider must see this patient within 10 minutes of arrival. So that's the CPSS. Okay. So you notice a deficit, what do you do? Facial droop, arm drift, abnormal speech. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Okay? First thing you want to know is what? You want to know when the last known normal was. When was this patient last seen intact? Write down the time. Write that and just get it. Okay, next thing, and so the, the, as a side note, it could also be posterior circulation stroke. So if it's a posterior circulation stroke, this is a patient who's going to present with acute onset dizzy, vertigo, like the room is spinning, inability to walk, nausea, vomiting, those kinds of things. And what you want to do is you want to do a HINTS exam. The HINTS exam is reported to be um, up to 99% accurate in making the diagnosis. And so the reason this is important is because if there's a concern for a posterior circulation stroke, you're going to want to order MRI, not a CT. So posterior circulation stroke. And real briefly, the HINTS exam, and this is something that every provider in the emergency department needs to know and be able to perform. So if they've got vertigo, let's, you're going to see um, spontaneous nystagmus. Okay, so the nystagmus. And that's, that could be hours to days. That's usually continuous. So this is something that's concerning. If you've got continuous vertigo, it's like, okay, shoot, what's going on? So you want to do a HINTS exam. HINTS exam, just briefly, there's three components. The first one, unidirectional nystagmus that's horizontal. 
So horizontal nystagmus is actually a reassuring sign if it's in one direction. You don't want vertical. Vertical would be central. Um, you want this to be horizontal and uni unidirectional horizontal nystagmus because that's reassuring. That would that would mean that would um, imply that it's a peripheral, um, peripheral versus a central. So you can remember that because like looking to the side, that's like the periphery, right? That's more of a peripheral. So that's there's there's three components to the Hintz exam. So you want unidirectional horizontal nystagmus. That's one thing you do want to see. That's reassuring. So you have them look to the side, let's say, you know, look to the left or whatever, and there and you see that nystagmus to the left. And then you have them look to the right, and if it's still pulsatile to the left, that is reassuring. So Number one for the Hintz exam, you want what? Unidirectional horizontal nystagmus. Okay. Great. And um, if you want to use a piece of paper, you can have a piece of paper on the side to have them like look towards that piece of paper. One side or the other. The second thing you want to do is you want to do a cover uncover so you want to cover and this is where you can use that same piece of paper cover one eye and what you want to see is you want to make sure that you do not have vertical movement of the of the eye so when you cover the one eye you look at the other eye and you make sure there's no vertical movement vertical or medial you don't want vertical or medial so cover, uncover, you do it with both sides and you want to see, okay, there's no vertical or medial movement. And of course, let's say there's left-sided horizontal nystagmus and you cover the one side and it's still pulsatile when you do the cover, uncover towards the left, obviously, if the one eye is going to go sort of towards medial, which is towards the nose, but that's just that it's really not going to be medial. It's, it's, it's just the... It's the, it's the horizontal nystagmus that you're seeing. So to keep it simple, cover uncover, and you don't want it to go vertical or medial. And the third thing here is the head impulse test. The head impulse test. And you can explain to the patient, um, this one's kind of weird, and it might reproduce some symptoms for you if you're, if you're nauseous, and I apologize ahead of time. And so explain, I'm certainly not a chiropractor. I'm not going to crack your neck, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to hold your head. I'm going to bring it a little bit to the side, um, not all the way, but a little bit to the side. And then quickly, we're going to go back to center and I'm going to look at your eyes to see if they, if they're moving. And so you do that with both sides. You have them relax as much, much as they can. And then you, you hold their head in your, in your hands and you go to the side and then you quickly go back to the, to the center. And what you're going to want to see is this is called the head impulse test. You want to see catch-up saccades, so the or saccades, catch-up saccades. You actually want to see that pulsatile action. So it's like reproducible pulsatile, and and so that's one that if if you see the reproducible pulsatile catch-up saccades, um, that's implying a nerve problem. So there's no head, no central head problem. It's more of a nerve problem. And all three of these tests need to be exactly how I said in order for you to be able to say the Hintz test is negative. So if you've got a patient that has vertigo and um, let's say they've had nice, it's nystagmus and it's going on for hours or days um, and it's continuous, you do a Hintz exam. All three of these things need to, need to be what I'm saying in order for it to be a negative Hintz test test. If any one of these is positive, then it's a positive hints and you need to order an MRI. If any one of the, if all three of these are exactly how I said, you can say it's a negative hints test and you can call that vestibular neuronitis. Okay. Vestibular neuronitis. Some people call it labyrinthitis, um, but uh, technically um, that would be a hearing loss.
So uh, labyrinthitis, you think L for loss of hearing. So labyrinthitis is, is loss of hearing. And uh, labyrinthitis is peripheral, um, certainly it's peripheral. And vestibular neuronitis, that's also peripheral. And so if you've got a negative hints test, that's implying that this is a peripheral problem. And that's good. It's a peripheral, it's a nerve problem, not a central head problem. So the three things are what? One, you have unilateral horizontal nystagmus. Two, cover-uncover. The cover-uncover test, no vertical or medial movement. And three, head impulse test. We'll show catch-up saccades, saccades, catch-up saccades, however you say it. You need all three of those on exam to be able to say negative hints test. Okay, so that's more of a continuous vertigo. They come in, it's continuous. So that would, if you'd have a positive hints, that's concerning. Positive hints would be concerning for a posterior circulation stroke. And um, so again, acute onset dizzy vertigo, unable to, unable to walk, nausea, vomiting, and then the hints exam, if it's hints positive, that's, that is something you need to order an MRI. So that is initial approach here. If you see, so if, if it's, it's the dizziness, you wanna go towards doing the hints exam. If it is neurodeficit, you obviously ask, when's your last known normal? You jump right into doing the Cincinnati Pre-Hospital Stroke Scale Workup, the CPSS, which includes what three components? Facial droop, arm drift, slurred or abnormal speech. So CPSS, those three components. And let's say any of that is positive, or if there is just a neurodeficit as positive, activate the stroke protocol. It's far better to activate the stroke protocol. Err on the side of calling a code stroke. I know it sounds intimidating, but err on the side of calling a code stroke and get the workup because you're going to get a neurologist if you're in a rural, rural area, you've got a neurologist that can, that can jump right on to that um, teleneuro uh, monitor, and you can have that reassurance from a neurologist. Is this a stroke or is this not a stroke? Very, very quickly. You can get that CT of the head very quickly, and you want to get the CT super, super fast. Okay? You want to get that CT done within 20 minutes of the patient arrival. A doctor needs to see the patient with signs of acute stroke within 10 minutes. A um, CT needs to be done within 20 minutes. Okay? And what you wanna ask is, when's the last known normal? So, now here's why well, and, and the very first thing that you have the nurses do, you need to get a glucose. What's the glucose? Okay. If it's a low glucose, that can certainly cause um, neurodeficit. And um, if for some reason the oxygen is 94% or less, you need to start oxygen. I'll watch the ABCs, airway, breathing, circulation. Okay. Glucose. Right off the bat, you so code stroke, call a code stroke, look at the oxygen. What's the oxygen? What does it need to be? You want it 95% or higher, so start some oxygen if you need to. What's the glucose? Okay. If the glucose is low, you need to 
jump in with 50% uh, dextrose, bolus of, of dextrose. Okay, establish an 18 gauge IV access, that's important. And then you do your normal stroke set order. Okay, most importantly, when is this patient's last known normal? Okay, now that's going to dictate the rest of what we do. When is the last known normal? If, and we have four options here, and this is important to memorize. If, and the, the key here is four and a half hours. You want to remember four and a half hours. So if it's less than four and a half hours, there's, um, of, of course, you need to, um, you need to, the doctor needs to see the patient very quickly. And the nurse needs, uh, the doctor and the nurse really need to go to radiology immediately with the patient. And if you could do it with the teleneuro right there, just bring it in there, go, go get the CT of the head. And with, if it's within four and a half hours, now this is why it's the key, within four and a half hours, you need to know, is this patient a candidate for TPA or not? That's an important thing. Is this somebody who is having an is, um, ischemic stroke? Because you're going to go, and there's a reason you're going to, everybody's going to go with the patient to imaging is because if they can quickly rule out the acute hemorrhage. So the CT, the purpose of that is to rule out acute hemorrhage. What is the purpose of the CT? To rule out acute hemorrhage. First of all, if there is a hemorrhage on that CT, they need you need to consult immediately with a neurosurgeon. So who do you need to talk to if you on the CT they're like, okay, this is an acute hemorrhage? Neurosurgeon. So you get that CT, you rule out to you, you let's say you rule out acute hemorrhage. You want to think embolic at that point. Think embolic or thrombosis. So this is this is something that's getting in the way, blocking the blood flow, and that's an ischemic stroke, AIS, acute ischemic stroke. So if it fits within the AIS, acute ischemic stroke, um, so it's not a hemorrhage, that's acute ischemic stroke, then you have up to four and a half hours to be able to get TPA. And you want to think, is this a TPA candidate. Now, let's back up for a second. We have identified a neurodeficit by performing the simple CPSS, facial droop, arm drift, abnormal speech, like slurred or whatever. So face, arm, speech, okay? Once you've identified that there is a neurodeficit, you immediately want to know when the last normal is. And you want to jump in, open your MD calc, and as a provider, you jump right into doing the NIH stroke scale. NIH stroke scale. Now just grab your phone, keep your phone on you. If, there's a, if there is a possible code stroke, grab your phone, download the app, MD calc, and look and save it as your favorite so that you can easily open the app, click on your favorites, and use your phone while evaluating the patient. There's no shame in that. Use your phone because you're going to be very accurate when you document in the chart because um, then you'll have your phone with the calculations. You're going to have to go back to charting all this up anyways. And so get your phone out first thing. Looks like there's a deficit. Grab your phone, go evaluate the patient. Evaluate for any asymmetry of the face, any drift of the arm, any slurred speech. Repeat after me. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Okay? 
any one of those are positive, or if you see any obvious deficit, I can't lift my leg, for example, right? Something like that. Call a code stroke. You tell the nurse, look at the nurse, say, code stroke. Call a code stroke right now. As soon as that code stroke is called, then do your full exam, your NIH stroke scale. Use your app on your phone. Put it on the patient's chest if you need to while they're laying there. And then use that and go through each one. And it's very simple. You just select, okay, what's the level of consciousness? Are they alert and keenly responsive? Click that. Um, ask month and age. So um, what month is it? And how old are you? Great. They've got those, those accurate. Blink your eyes, squeeze my hands, and, and then you, you select as you go down on your app. So you don't have to have the stress of remembering all of these things. Just bring your app, put your phone on their, on their chest, and go through and select as you go through. No shame in using technology. So that's the NIH stroke scale on your MD calc. Get that patient to CT as fast as you can. And so this is why the doctor is going to go with the patient to um, the to radiology is they're gonna you're going to evaluate the NIH stroke scale while the patient's heading there. And this is again, if it's less than four and a half hours, it's very, very important you get this done quickly. So you obtain that stroke scale. And one number is important. If you have less than six as a result on your stroke scale, you're going to have, it's, it's likely that they're going to, it's high probability of good outcomes. Less than six, good outcomes. Okay? Greater than 16 is going to imply severe disability or death. So what are the numbers? Less than six, good outcomes. Greater than 16 on your NIH stroke scale, severe disability or death. Okay? So, so far what we've got, you've recognized there's a neurodeficit. Smile for me. Hold your arms out. Palms up. 10 seconds. Repeat after me. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Or any deficit whatsoever. Then you find out when your last known normal was. And they said, well, I was normal about two hours ago. Great. It's less than four and a half hours. That's, in, that's go time. That's really important. Less than four and a half hours, you're, you're now on a race. And why, why is it a race? is because every one hour that this patient remains ischemic, you're going to have 4% loss, permanent loss of function. So that means every 15 minutes, you are this patient has a possibility of losing 1%. So why do we go so fast? We go so fast because every 15 minutes, this patient's losing how much function? 1%. Every hour, this patient's losing 4%. So this is important because TPA, that's going to, um, this clot buster, if they, they are a candidate for this TPA, um, you want to basically administer that TPA um, very quickly, actually, you want to you want to make sure you administer the TPA um, before they before the CTA. Okay, so let's say you have a patient who got the deficit, last known normal. You've done your NIH stroke scale, and you get whatever number you get. Okay, and you're on your way to radiology. And you're, you're there to get that CT of the head. Now, what you're going to anticipate if it's an acute hemorrhage is you are going to get a neurosurgeon on the phone immediately. This patient's going to need neurosurgical intervention. 
but let's say the CT you get says no acute hemorrhage. Okay, then you want to think ischemic, acute ischemic stroke. Think ischemic, think embolic or thrombosis, right? And embolism is from somewhere else. Uh, thrombosis is something uh, that originates at the site. So there's different types of ischemic strokes. Some of them originate there that's arter arterial or, or venous, um, but really it's a clot. So think that you've got a clot that's causing ischemia, and then you want to use your MD calc to then, because it's part of your favorites, right? You're gonna you're gonna look at the TPA contraindications calculation, and so TPA contraindications again on your same MD calc, just run through that. It'll tell you eligibility for TPA. Are they older than 18? That's something you know. Are they 18 or older? That's eligibility. There's eligibility, but then there's also absolute contraindications to TPA. So like obviously if there's a hemorrhage on the CT, that would be an absolute contraindication. Don't give something that would um, bust a clot if you're bleeding out in your head. So that's an absolute contraindication. So it's important, the CT is to rule out the acute hemorrhage. But again, let's say we've ruled out that acute hemorrhage, there's no bleeding on the CT. Then you wanna think embolic, or this is, an, this is an ischemic event. So acute ischemic stroke, AIS. So if it's AIS and it's less than four and a half hours, you run through your TPA contraindications on your MD Calc app, run the calculation, and if they are a candidate, if they are a candidate, then you, then that at that point, it's, it's going to be um, a conversation with the family because you've got you've to have risks and benefits discussed, okay? So you're going to, of course, consult a neurologist and to, to lean on your neurology friends. So you've done your workup. You have what you think. You've got your your NIH stroke scale. You've also done some calculations for the TPA contraindications. And then the neuro, uh, the, the neurologist will call you up to tell you, or maybe they're there to consult with and say, okay, I think that this is a possible candidate for, uh, for stroke fibro, uh, fibrinol, how do you say it? Fibrinolysis. So you think of like the stroke fibrinolysis protocol or the, the fibrinolytic, right? TPA. And so within four and a half hours, if you give that, that would be um, very useful. Uh, that would really greatly improve, uh, likely greatly improve this person's um, outcome and recovery. Okay, so that is less than four and a half hours. And you look at the contraindications protocol for the TPA, and basically, you know, let's say they're a candidate. So review the risks and benefits with the patient and family, and if acceptable, obtain consent. Okay, because there's obviously huge risks in giving this. And uh, make sure they're hooked up to the monitor. You've got the safety net on, and. Set up the second line, IV line for the for the TPA, and you run some NS, and uh, in the in the other line, and um, you want to have alteplase basically given within 60 minutes of patient arrival. So that's why this it's such an important uh, within 10 minutes. What needs to happen? Within 10 minutes, the doctor needs to see this patient. Or provider, right? Um, PA nurse practitioner. Within 20 minutes, what needs to happen? Generally, I mean, this is every hospital's got different protocols, but within 20 minutes, 
you need that non-contrast enhanced brain CT scan. You got your non-con CT within 20 minutes. So the patient's going to go right to the CT, basically first thing, while the provider's accompanying, doing, doing the NIH stroke scale, and then um, uh, also calculating if fiber, if TPA, if they're a candidate for TPA. So this is within how many hours of last known normal? Yeah, four and a half hours. Okay. Then um, your neuro neurologist says, yes, this patient is a candidate. Get the consent. Talk to the family about the risks and benefits. And Alteplase needs to be given within 60 minutes of patient arrival. That's the goal. Maximum dose of Alteplase is 90 milligrams. And Alteplase is uh, 0.9 milligrams per kilogram. 0.9 migs per kg. So what's the dose? Alteplase. 0.9 mg per kg, max of 90. What is it? Point 0.9 mg per kg, max of 90 mg. And that's infused over 60 minutes. Um, and with 10% of the total dose administered as an initial IV bolus over a minute. So first minute you give a little bit more, but the rest is infused over 60 minutes. You're going to be measuring blood pressure, perform neuro assessments every 15 minutes during and after TPA for two hours. Then every 30 minutes for six hours then hourly until 24 hours and you admit to the stroke unit. So that's the whole flow. So you're going to measure blood pressure and perform neuro assessments every how often? 15 minutes. During the TPA infusion for two hours. Then every what? then every 30 minutes for six hours. And then how often? Hourly until 24 hours after the TPA. Finally, the very end here to close the book, you admit to the stroke unit. Okay, so that's if they're a candidate for TPA. Okay, let's say they're not a candidate for TPA. You want to admit to the stroke unit. And then you want to give aspirin, 325, PO. And then there's a whole protocol that they follow for the rest of that. So aspirin, admit. So similar to um, like STEMI, the most important thing with the STEMI for long-term outcomes is aspirin. So this is also very, very important. If you're going to admit them to the stroke unit, you want to give them that aspirin, 325. Okay, so that's as simple as it is if it's less than four and a half hours. So the next route, four and a half to nine hours. Four and a half to nine hours. So last known normal, four and a half to nine hours. The ear doctor and nurse must accompany the patient to the radiology immediately. That's the same, right? We're not going to do the TPA calculation on the MD calc app because it's over four and a half hours. You need to obtain non-con CT and a cerebral angiogram. So you got the CTA. So non-con CT and CTA within 20 minutes of patient arrival. So what do you need within what time frame? If it's four and a half to nine hours, what do you need within 20 minutes? You need your non-con CT and you need the CTA within 20 minutes. 
and again the uh, the route is very simple so no hemorrhage you consult the neurologist immediately right hemorrhage you consult who neurosurgeon because that's going to be neurosurgical intervention so you get the CT very quickly to rule out what? Get the CT to rule out acute hemorrhage. If you can rule out the acute hemorrhage, what do you want to think? What kind of stroke is this? Ischemic, right? I mean, if they're not bleeding, it's ischemic. You think embolic, okay? And so then you, you jump in, um, and if you're thinking embolic, um, there's, um, you know, different, um, different reasons for the embolic that you want to think of. You know, you've got AFib, um, and you've got um, hypercoagulable states, those kinds of things. So, um, so okay, so... Four and a half to nine hours. First 20 minutes, you got the CT and you got the CTA. Great. And then choose your adventure, right or left, no hemorrhage, hemorrhage. You're either talking to a neurologist or you're talking to a neurosurgeon. Very simple. Go with the recommendations. So now we've got the first two roads of our four roads done. The first road was zero to four and a half hours, and this is the most important road to really memorize well. Most importantly, the doctor, the nurse, and the telebot, if, you know, for the teleneurologist, go with the patient to the, to the CT scanner. And the doctor is doing the NIH stroke scale and the TPA contraindications calculations with the MD-Calc app. Okay. If they are a candidate, you you want to be ready to give TPA as soon as possible. Every 15 minutes is a 1% loss. So be ready. And only the non-con CT is done within 20 minutes on that first first route. Okay? Then you you consider, are they a candidate for TPA? The second road is how many hours to how many hours? Four and a half to nine hours. Okay, last known normal, let's say, oh, six hours ago. Okay, so that's within the four and a half to nine hours. Okay, so what do you need done within 20 minutes if it's four and a half to nine hours? Four and a half to nine hours, CT of the head, head CT non-con, and CTA, cerebral angiogram, right? Within 20 minutes of patient arrival. Very simple. Based on the results there, you're either talking to a neurosurgeon or you're going to talk to a neurologist. Hopefully you're talking to a neurologist. Okay. So that is over, basically over four and a half hours, you're doing a CT and a CTA. Under four and a half hours, you're doing a CT and you're considering TPA. Simple enough. Under four and a half hours, what two things are you doing? CT, considering TPA, good. Over four and a half hours, but under nine hours, what are you, what two things are you doing within 20 minutes? CT, CTA, simple as that. Now the nine hours to 24 hours. This is our third road. The third road here, so the nurse must accompany patient to radiology and then inform the ER doctor immediately when the MRI is complete, because 
When it's 9 to 24 hours, you're going to actually obtain a brain MRI limited stroke protocol within 20 minutes. So if they're 9 to 24 hours, so this is less than 24 hours, but it's on the high end, you want to think MRI because maybe what's helpful to think in terms of like a mnemonic is that MRI is like a higher end of imaging. So this is the higher end of our less than 24 hours. So you obtain a brain MRI limited stroke protocol within 20 minutes and the nurse goes with the patient. And then the same route, right or left roads here. So no, no hemorrhage, consult a neurologist. So if there's no hemorrhage, that's an AIS. You want to think ischemic, okay? If there is hemorrhage, you consult neurosurgeon immediately. So that's very simple. That's the 9 to 24 hours. Super simple, super easy. So here we go. Less than four and a half hours. Now, the reason that I'm doing repetition on purpose, because you're going to remember this. If you're like, oh, I know, I know. Okay, then then say, spit it out quickly. Um, don't it, Frequency and repetition is your best friend. So less than four and a half hours, especially if it's painful. It's like, oh my gosh, it's painful. The more painful, the better, because like now you've got it. You've got this really well. And you want to get this so well. In the emergency department, you want strokes so well. You don't even want to think. So four and a half hours or less, you want to immediately, let's say there's a deficit. You want to ask when's the last known normal. You want to get your phone out and get the calculation of... What two things? Yes, NIH stroke scale, calculation on the MD Calc app, and your TPA contraindications calculation on the app. Perfect. Then you, you want to immediately, and you're doing this as you're walking to radi the radiology. You're walking to get a CT of the head. Because the CT of the head needs to be done within 20 minutes of patient arrival. Let's say there's no hemorrhage. No hemorrhage. So we rule out acute hemorrhage. Then you want to think, is this a TPA candidate? And you're going to talk to the neurologist immediately about that. Then talk to the family, if they are. Have them sign a consent for TPA, and of course, go over the risks and benefits. Get a second IV in place. Make sure they're all attached to the monitor and everything, your safety net. And you're going to order Alteplace. Give within 60 minutes of arrival. How soon do you need to give that Alteplace within arrival is your goal? 60 minutes. Good. And the dose of Alteplase? Point 0.9 mg per kg, max of 90 milligrams. You infuse it over 60 minutes with 10% of the total dose administered as an initial IV bolus over one minute. Measure their do neuro exams every 15 minutes during the during the Alteplase infusion for two hours. So every 15 minutes for two hours, then every 30 minutes for six hours, then what? Well, then we're probably, I've already handed it off to the CCU and someone else is managing that at the stroke unit, but hourly until 24 hours after the TPA. So they're admitted to the stroke unit, but let's, yeah. So that's stroke. That's the workup of stroke if they're a candidate. If they're not a candidate for TPA and it's still within four and a half hours, what do you do? You admit to the stroke unit and you give them what? You give them 
aspirin 325. You can do it PO or PR. So that's less than four and a half hours. Four and a half to nine hours, the doctor and nurse must accompany the patient through to the CT scanner immediately. And what is performed? Non-con CT and CTA within how, many, how much time? 20 minutes, fantastic. And then of course, if it's a hemorrhage, neurosurgeon, if it's ischemic, AIS, acute ischemic stroke, neurologist is who you're talking to. So that's four and a half to nine hours. If it's nine to 24 hours, the nurse must go with the patient and inform the doctor immediately when the MRI is complete, immediately. And it'd be even better if the radiologist can inform the doctor. That'd be so great if your radiologist can call with that report because we need to know immediately. So 9 to 24 hours, that's the higher end of that less than 24 hours. And so you want to think higher end imaging, MRI. If there's no hemorrhage, consult a neurologist immediately. Hemorrhage, consult a neurosurgeon. That's, those are the three roads so far. So far, so good. Now, if it's over 24 hours, over 24 hours, you obtain, you want to get your non-con CT. And very simply, if it's a hemorrhage, what do you do? You know what to do. Talk to the neurosurgeon. If it is a ischemic, Right? You want to if it's if it if you've ruled out the acute hemorrhage, then you want to think what? Embolic. You want to think embolic. You want to think embolic. You want to think ischemic. AIS, acute ischemic stroke. So over 24 hours, you're gonna obtain the CT of the head. And if there's no hemorrhage, if it's ischemic, you give 300 of aspirin and you admit to the stroke unit. Simple as that. Some will say Plavix also, so aspirin and Plavix. And that's, uh, that's a question that you want to ask the neurologist. So you want to say, okay, neurologist, would you prefer... Well, I mean, you, you, you might not even have to talk to the neurologist at that point, but... Let's say you still were lucky enough to consult with the neurologist. Then, um, and of course, if it's greater than 24 hours, you can't call a code stroke. Okay, it's more than 24 hours; it's no longer a code stroke. The code implies timing. You gotta go fast. If it's over 24 hours, I mean, obviously you want to you want to give them aspirin as soon as you can, really. But they're really gonna get admitted to the stroke unit. Simple as that. So less than 24 hours, you call a code stroke. Over 24 hours, what are you going to do? You do your non-con CT. If it's acute hemorrhage, neurosurgeon. If it's AIS, acute ischemic stroke, if it's ischemic, you're going to give what? 300 of aspirin, and you're going to admit to the stroke unit. Simple as that. So this is actually very simple. You're going to recognize there's a deficit. You want to know when the last known normal is? And if they woke up with it, it's the last, it's basically the time when they fell asleep. If, no, if nobody knows, it's when the last time somebody saw them normal. So you want to talk to the friends and family. This is where a nurse can get involved and be so helpful. The nurse can ask the family, when did you see them last? Were they normal? The nurse can ask, are you on any current antiplatelets or anticoagulants? Are you currently treated with any of those? Because these are some TPA 
Um, you know, the, you, you need to know this information to be able to do your, your calculations. So are they on Plavix, Aspirin, Berlenta? Um, are they on Xarelto, Coumadin, Pradaxa, Eliquis, right? Agronox. Are they, are they on any of these antiplatelets? And then you need to get um, pertinent blood work. That's all going to be part of the stroke code stroke protocol. It'll be in your favorites, um, I'm sure, um, in your EMR. And basically, you need the creat and INR. Um, and, um, and the INR can be pending if there's no thinners on board. And um, if you need to see what the creat is, INR, PT, glucose, platelets, hemoglobin, hematocrit. So get those things going. Does this patient have an allergy to iodine? What's their current blood pressure? So that's important. What's your blood pressure? And any recent surgery. So procedures or bleeding episodes or pertinent medical history that might preclude treatment, right? Like such as cancer, right? Any recent surgeries that you have. Do you have cancer? So any of these kinds of things. You want to know what the NIH score is. Obviously, we want to know what their code status is. Are they a DNR? Right? And then you want to have a family member um, contact, like the name of the family member. Grab a cell phone number or a home and get a home number if you if you can. So this, these are things that the RN can, can help with. You could even tell the RN... I, I need you to go find the family member, get a name and phone number. I need you to figure out the allergies and figure out if this patient is on any blood thinners. And I need a current blood pressure. Those are some those are some very helpful things to do immediately. So this is the stroke algorithm. And um, and uh, less than six for the NIH is good outcomes greater than 16, severe disability or death. You want to get a glucose right off the bat. Last known normal glucose. Keep the oxygen above 95. Above 94. Keep it 95 or higher. Okay? So that is the stroke algorithm. And uh, sometimes if, if there is a stroke, sometimes you'll see compensatory measures of like the blood pressure going up. And trying to trying to perfuse the brain. You want to get that head CT to rule out acute hemorrhage. Okay. And there's the mnemonic of the of the ten S's. So the mnemonic of the ten S's is a differential to run in your mind if there is a deficit. So that's another mnemonic that you can listen to. It's very worth memorizing. It's very simple. It's on all 10 of your fingers. You can quickly go through it real quick. It's like, oh, what, what's, what is the possible cause here? Is it a seizure? Is it, you know, there's, there's, there's just all kinds of different things that it could possibly be. You want to at least think of those things when you're working up the stroke. Um, but of course, you want to rule out the bad stuff first. Okay. 90 per, 80 to 90% of strokes are ischemic. So almost always you're going to have the non-con CT come back in um, no hemorrhage. So 90, 80 to 90% of the time you're going to be talking to that neurologist. Um, if it is ischemic, you want to think embolic or ischemic. You want to think if it's an embolism that usually comes from the heart, such as like the setting of like AFib, um, left ventricular thrombos, thrombus, or um, infective, uh, infective endocarditis. Okay. Sometimes if you have like a hyper hypoperfusion, um, that could be like a decompensated CHF. So stroke can also be caused from, so you ischemic, you, you think like clot, but you can also think like hypoperfusion as well. So CHF or septic shock, those types of things can cause a stroke because they're not getting perfused, right? If it is a hemorrhagic, 
the thing you want to think of is hemorrhagic is based on location, 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 location. And those are going to present, present differently, and that's a time for a different podcast, not this one, but the location. So you're going to think um, different locations like sub, subdural hematoma, subarachnoid hemorrhage, intraventricular hemorrhage, epidural hematoma, intraparenchymal hemorrhage. Some of that could be from the history as well. Like, you know, was, was there an injury here? Is there some trauma? So other potential causes um, are like uh, AV malformations, um, bleeding disorders, amyloidosis. Amyl- am- I always have a hard time saying this. Amyloidosis? Amyloidosis? Okay. Trauma, drug use, and of course, secondary conversion of ischemic stroke. So some of those things um, are things to think about. So you think, is there a deficit? You jump right into your um, protocols. And what was it called that you check uh, right off the bat? There are three main things you check real quick, just on exam. It's called the Cincinnati Pre-Hospital Stroke Scale. CPSS. Facial droop. Arm drift, slurred speech. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Okay. So stroke, you know, you suspect it clinically, of course. And then you want to, number one, ischemic or hemorrhagic. That's going to be two different routes. Okay. And, of course, acute ischemic strokes are unlikely to show up on CT scan. So if it's an acute ischemic stroke, it's unlikely to show up on CT scan. So that's why you do further workup. You do the imaging of the carotid arteries. You know, this, so that's why you, you admit them and further, further workup is to be done. Like an echo... Um, you get an echo done to identify like intracardiac thrombosis. You do an e- EKG, check for AFib. You can do a fasting cholesterol panel if they're you know they're admitted. You do that cholesterol panel to see about hyperlipidemia maybe. If they're younger, it might merit a workup for hypercoagulable states. And um, you know you want to make sure that. Like maybe sickle cell, protein C, factor 5 Leiden, um, antiphospholipid syndrome, those types of things. Okay, so ischemic strokes, antithrombotic medications are what you want to use to treat. Aspirin, clopidogrel, those kinds of things. TPA within four and a half hours. And blood pressure, um, you want to you want to keep the blood pressure. Um, the goal of the systolic blood pressure usually is 160 to 180. Sometimes you can have some permissive hypertension. You want to you don't want to lower it if um, if if the brain is hypoperfused. And um, and so 160 to 180 or so. Um, Okay, that is, that's it. And uh, if, if it's hemorrhagic stroke, you, that, and that's the only difference. If it's hemorrhagic stroke, the acute management there is, um, of course, neurosurgeon, but you want to keep those blood pressures within normal. So you don't want to have worsening of the hemorrhage. So that is... Stroke. That is the stroke protocol. Generally, of course, you want to adhere to whatever it is you have in your hospital. But that's the general stroke protocol that every provider should be very confident and comfortable with. And you'll get better and better at this all the time. But it might help to listen to this a few times just to, in your head, think, okay, if it's four and a half hours or less, what do I do? Four and a half to nine hours? What do I do? 
9 to 24 hours, you're going to get an MRI, right? And the nurse can go. If it's greater than 24 hours, you don't call a code stroke, okay? That's the stroke algorithm. And feel free to listen to this several times. Have the confidence and don't be ashamed to use your technology. Grab the NIH stroke scale, put it on the patient's chest. Go through it, answer it, and perform what you need to perform and get your calculations accurate. Then use your app in the same MD calc to calculate, are there any TPA contraindications? You need to know that information right off the bat because that will dictate management to get out to place within 60 minutes as a goal. If it's a stroke, and this is how you save lives, because every one hour, you're gonna have 4% loss of function. And so if you could bust that clot very quickly within 60 minutes, that's the goal. As fast as you can, it's a race. And that's why we have these time um, zero to four and a half hours, so less than four and a half hours. And then you have over four and a half hours. As soon as they're over four and a half hours, they're not a TPA candidate. Four and a half to nine hours, you're gonna get CT of the head and CTA within 20 minutes. Nine to 24 hours, you're gonna get an MRI. Over 24 hours, you're giving aspirin, admitting to the stroke unit, simple as that, and that is your stroke algorithm.